Code Fun Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source in the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? Why won't my code compile? Again, I did that last week, but seriously, it's not compiling. All right. So today we have one other panelist besides me. Hello, everyone. We have Justin Dorfman. Hello, everyone. And then we have two guests today, which is excellent. Justin Flory. Hey. And we have Javier Canovas. Or Javi. Hey, hello. Cool. So, Justin and Javi are joining us. Justin from his home outside Atlanta, though he's normally a student over at Rochester at RIT. And Javi from Barcelona, where he's an assistant professor at the Open University of Catalonia. And they're joining us today because both of them are very involved in the Sustain Working Groups. This is going to be a special episode where we talk about the working groups that came out of the Sustain Summit in Brussels back in January. So for those of you who've been following this podcast for a while, you know that sustain's kind of a thing we talk about here. No surprise there. But for the past three years, we've had basically conferences and they've talked about what is sustainability? What is open source? And they're very unconferency. There's no panels. There's nothing going on. There's just people showing up in a big room. And then this fantastic facilitator, Gunner, who can't be on the call today, but often is, basically splits people up into groups. And at the end of those groups, at the end of the day, we often take these little whiteboards and put them in the hallway and write on the top, here's a working group that we want to see go forward. Here, how do we carry the conversation forward about sustaining X? So out of the last summit, we have a lot of working groups that are really actually trying to make sure that we take what we learned, what we talked about, and put it out there for the rest of the world in a way. So it's not just locked inside this one conference room in a back alley in Brussels, right? The goal for the sustained organization is to make these conversations happen. And right now, the working groups, besides maybe like this podcast or a few other venues, are one of the main ways we do that. So we actually have a lot of working groups which are currently active. If you go to sustainoss.org slash working groups, that's a work dash in between working groups, but it's also linked in the main page, so don't worry about it. You can see a whole list of cards of all the working groups, and there's a little button saying learn more. Just to give you a taster of what they are, there's Back Your Stack, which is the project that was spurned out of Open Collective around paying everyone in your dependency stack. There's Motivating Contributors. That's actually a really cool topic. What actually motivates contributors? There's Transparency Goals, which is led by Dwayne O'Brien. What does it mean to be a good corporation or to operate transparently around what your goals are for your open source? There's the Docs Group, which is actually meeting... Monday, May 4th, which is in the future for me, but the past for you. Funny how that works. And that'll be about documentation and about what's going on with that. How do we make sustainable docs going forward? Is it just read the docs forever or can we do more? There's a licensing working group where people are actually having real conversations. And I mean this without shouting at each other about what licenses are and what sustainability means in terms of licensing. There's a whole ton of working groups and I want you to go and look at them and think about things that you sound cool. And if you want to join in the conversation, there's the 
sustained discourse forum where you could join in. There's a thing called a bottom liner. And a bottom liner is the person who's basically moving it forward. You could contact the bottom liners. Today, we've invited Justin and Javi on because they're both bottom liners for two working groups. So Javi is the bottom liner for the governance readiness group, which is what does healthy governance look like? How can we improve our day-to-day work, basically? How can we identify barriers and needs and intervene when new governance structures are needed? This is like the massive topic of you know what happened with Node.js, what happens with Python, all these sorts of things. And he's going to dive more into that. That may not be a good summary. We're going to talk about that in a bit. And then we have Justin Flory, who's here talking about the principles of authentic participation. What are the core set of principles that it means to be authentic and to participate? And he's really active. He's probably the most active out of all of the working groups, which is super cool. And it's not just him, obviously. There's other people who join in those talks. I think we're also going to touch on the transparency goals working group that Dwayne leads and talk a bit about that. And I might give a summary at some point about some of the other working groups that are going on. But those are the two ones we want to focus on today, two or three. Did I miss anything? I know that was a lot of wall of text, but Justin, Justin and Javi, it all sound good. I just got to say, that was like the best intro you've ever done. I was just about to type it, but (laughs) I was just so impressed. I was like, wow, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do this uh, podcast. All right. The triple J's, Justin, Justin and Javi. I want you guys to talk for a bit. So Justin Flory, tell me, what is PAP? What does it mean to be authentically participating in something? Well, when we talk about participation in open source projects, we have to make sure that you and I, when we say participation, are actually talking about the same thing. So Sustain, at the conference back in February, there were these four open source accountability goals that came out of a couple of different working groups across the day. But the four goals that were derived from that group of working groups was goal number one was to set and publish a goal for open source contribution relative to value capture. That one hasn't been explored in depth yet. The second one was adhere to the principles of authentic participation. And that's been the discussion that we've had over the last two or three months to try to define what does it mean to be an authentic contributor to an open source project, both as an individual, but also as an organization. So that's where the authentic participation principles fit in, was they were one of the four goals that were from this original set of accountability goals that folks at Sustain wanted to push forward into the year. And one of the other ones that we'll talk about was the one led by Dwayne O'Brien with the transparency goals working group. And we'll talk about that one in the call too. So what does it mean to authentically participate? What do you mean by authenticity? We started with, in our original conversations, with what were the issues that we were experiencing as members of the open source community across all of our different backgrounds, whether that be in a corporate contribution sense or as a humanitarian organization in the university. So we had a chance to, across the day, kind of brainstorm on the common challenges and difficulties that we could all relate with. And that was what led us to our initial proposal of the six principles. The principles are that open source contribution, one, starts early, two, puts the community first, three, starts with listening, four, has transparent motivations, five, enforces respectful behavior, and six, ends gracefully. 
Now, all of that's really nice and sounds really great, but the challenge of our working group is really trying to be clear on giving examples of what do these things mean and what will they look like for your organization or whatever size of your organization is or what kind of things you're wanting to put out into the open source community. How do you engage authentically without overstepping or, or without being new to the kind of culture that exists in contributing to free and open source software? So I guess a question I have is, for me, the word authentic means to be aligned in action with the values you hold inherently. So as, as an open source denizen, it's my job to be out there and to not just, you know, to give back, say, like, I like it when I, I contribute to other people's projects and don't just take from them because I want them to contribute to mine. So that's a value I have. So to participate authentically, I have to make sure that I try to give back to my dependencies at some point. I, if I see an issue that I, I merge it in with them and don't just fork it and then just leave the original project alone. But at the same time, that's very clear if your internal values are good. But authentic could also mean in alignment with your internal values that aren't good. If I'm a sociopath and I just want to burn the world and go around and put GPL on everything or take all the licenses off and just rename all the projects and then say they're mine, I could still be acting authentically. I'm just in alignment with my own core values that don't match up. So how have you navigated that? Well, the working group began at a goal to define a core set of principles of what authentic participation means in multiple contexts. And that was corporate, individual, humanitarian, or non-government organizations. What, what is like a common set of principles that when we talk about, you know, just how you talk about using open source in your derived works or whatever you're building, what is that measure or bar of authentically contributing back for using that work as free and open source software? So in a way, if you are asking those questions of how do you give back to your stack, which is also a different working group, which is probably worth the shout out, is the Back Your Stack working group on really trying to be clear on identifying what kinds of dependencies are in your stack and which one of them need different levels of support. This kind of fits in nicely to that because what we're trying to do is just come up with what we can agree on that authentic participation back looks like. So if you are going to give back to your stack and it's not, and whether it's a financial contribution or a contribution of time and engineering time and people, these are the six principles that from across that shared experience that we had at Sustain that we could agree best resembled some of the challenges we had experienced in our own, across all these different backgrounds that we had come from. Okay, cool. I mean, one of the great things about Sustain is you do have people coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. You have, you know, the head of open source at Google, and then just a single dev who runs a small project that maybe has a couple of contributors. And so what you're saying is really the principles weren't defined in terms of just internal values for any core stakeholder, but rather collectively, what does it mean to be open source? And what does it mean to be in alignment with the open source general ethos of like good people giving back? So that makes sense to me. And thank you for that. It sounds like you did a lot of persona work. It sounds like you tried to figure out what does it mean to be authentic as a large corporation versus what does it mean to be authentic as a lone script kitty, right? And so I'm curious, do those ever clash? Do you ever have authentic contributions from a large organization that's just very, very different? Maybe because they're, you know, 
financially motivated as opposed to someone who's just, this is a project I do in my spare time and I don't have time to do more things. Have you thought about that? So in a way, these principles say a lot, but they also don't say much at all. So, and then it's, it probably sounds weird, but the way I think about it is these are a set of guiding principles that we think that people can align to when they go to contribute to open source, whether you are a significant player with financial contributions or whether you're the individual hobbyist. We wanted to be clear that these principles can be applied to you, whether you're an individual or an organization kind of entity in a project too. So these were kind of the six, at least the six principles I mentioned earlier were kind of the things that we could agree on were the basic ways to promote healthy collaboration across different interests and how to do that in a way that when you're getting involved with a new community, you're not going to accidentally step on community norms or have a lot of resistance with trying to engage community. It helps build that common definition of what we mean when we talk about contributing upstream or supporting your stack. This helps build that language that we can all use to be, this is what we mean when we say authentic participation. When we say supporting your stack, we're doing so in these kinds of ways. So that's kind of the, I don't know if that totally answered the question, but that's kind of the direction that we're trying to take this. So, you know, there's a lot of different folks who are working on these, but what we're kind of looking ahead to in this last call for our working group is how does this work live on beyond just these discussions we've been having over the last two months? So we're going to be relying on some of these folks on taking the principles we've come up with so far that we agree are in good enough shape back to our organizations and trying to use them in creative ways downstream as a way to support better policies for open source. But it also is, I guess the thing I really, I really love about this working group is just that we're building language in a way. And I think there's something really powerful in being able to be clear on no matter who we are in the ecosystem, when we're talking about something, we're talking about something in a way that we both implicitly know to be true. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. That's what I was actually going to in my head while you were talking, but you're talking about a design language. And so my question is like, are there ever clashes? It doesn't really apply. Because it's not about implementation of the language. It's just about having language in the first place. Which is, so this is such an abstract implementation. You're building the protocols for how we do open source, right? Which is a lot of fun. And that's super cool. It also really reminds me of the Eleanor Ostrom group. So Eleanor Ostrom made these wonderful Nobel Prize winning work on what does the commons look like? And what does governing the commons look like effectively? And how do we have healthy ecosystems? And Greg Bloom, one of the longtime sustainers, has been really just pushing hard on like the Ostrom principles of healthy community maintenance and healthy community organization. And how can we apply those to open source going from straight out like ecosystem level stuff as an actual environmental ecosystem down to open source. So I know there's some links in there and a lot of the working groups do mix together. Speaking of working groups that mix together, I want to get on to Javi. So Javi, can you explain what governance readiness is and how that has materialized for you over the past couple of months? Well, uh, thank you. I think that we should start first trying to define what is a governance, I mean the term, 
I would say that there is not an official definition there to use it, at least in the context of software engineering. So let me give you mine, and of course, feel free to interrupt me and try to enrich or correct it. So I would say that governance, at least for me, is the set of rules you apply to drive the development of your project, okay? And when I say rules, they can be applied to community, like how can I be a member of your project? Or maybe as well rules regarding contributions, like who will make the decision about accepting my contribution or how much time it will take to accept my issue or my pull request, something like that. The thing is that generally these governance rules are implicit, okay? They are hidden in the way the project is developed. And more and more developers, projects in the last years, are trying to make them explicit, to define them in a file saying like, uh, you're right to this project, you will know that this is the guy that will accept your pull request, for instance, and it will take seven days, something like that, okay? So given that uh, background, what we're trying to do in this working group is uh, to help people to identify those governance models, those governance rules, and also to um, define and deploy what we want to call healthy governance models, okay? The main objective in the end is to improve openness and transparency, but mainly sustainability. Because in the very end, we are helping anyone to understand how projects are driven. Because generally, the way they work is like smoke. (laughs) So a lot of governance models kind of aren't written down in most projects. Most projects that just have one person who sort of leads or they have people who just do things implicitly. There's a wonderful paper from the 70s on unions, actually and about how unions that didn't have governance models put in place always lead to some sort of stratification of an insider and outsider group. And they always lead to basically abuses of privilege. And it's, I, I'll try and find the link and drop it in here if I can. But naming what governance models already exist and then trying to find better ones moving forward is a very difficult but crucial part of having a sustainable open source project, which is what we're doing here, right? We're trying to find sustainable and open source, not just open source in general. Can you talk a bit about some of the governance models that you've already looked at or that you put together? Well, the thing is that in the working group, our very first step is try to help people to have these kind of questions, like which challenges you are going to face if you want to really make explicit your governance model. So we are trying to give you questions and some, let's say, sentences or even situations where you will think about these ideas you have just said. Because as you said, uh, it's pretty common to find uh, the typical model where there is a guy leading everything, which is uh, the well-known dictatorship, the benevolent dictatorship for life. But of course, our, let's say, next step is once we know how to you um, can realize what is behind your project or the governance rules that are driven your project. Let's put names to that way you are deploying, developing your project. Like, okay, you are almost BDFL, Benevolent Dictatorship for Life, but with these new two rules, you are moving towards a meritocracy. Or if you include, for instance, voting mechanisms and allow members to push some pull requests or some issues, you are moving towards democracy. So in that way, I think that we are also mixing elements from social sciences, also computer science, everything together, at least to set a kind of a language, as you said before with Justin, because we also need to set uh, 
proper way to express ourselves when we are speaking about governance rules, like which dimensions we need to analyze, which models or which schemes or patterns you can find there and so on. Do any of your students know what you're working on and have you gotten feedback from them? Right now, uh, not exactly students, but the uh, colleagues in the research uh, group and other research team, we are facing this problem of trying to put names, of name the thing we are doing in our projects. But still, we need a lot of you know, experience and different uh, exploration to really define proper language to know what we are referring to. So the group's been going on for a while. How many people have been involved, either you know, coming into the meetings or interested on the discourse or were at the initial group? I'm just curious. Well, uh, everything started, of course, at the Sustain OSS event in Brussels. There we were like six, seven people. And at that point, we collected some ideas and questions to treat in this working group. And afterwards, I enrolled as both onliner and I have other like 13, 14 people helping in this task. Awesome. Among, and among them, Justin as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Justin, how many people are in the PAP group? We balance between about three to six active folks. And some of the discussion happens in our, what I've been calling the fireside chats that we've been having for those. And some of it also happens asynchronously in the Discord thread or in off-thread emails as well. Fireside chats named after the popular radio chats done by FDR during the Depression, correct? You got it. So did you steal that from the governance group? Because that sounds like a governance thing. <laughs> No, no, no. Sorry, that was a horrible joke. I just, I, no, I, I, I learned so much history from the show. Like when we had Patrick on from OSI, he said open source actually came from World War II. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So it's cool. super cool. It was a super cool factoid. The oranges, the oranges. I wanted to build on what Javi was talking about earlier with kind of like where this working group sits. And, you know, I think this working group is also another place where we're trying to build that common language. So, you know, we're part of it is like we're working with some of the other communities and folks we were collaborating with on what governance models do we agree exist. And I think it kind of highlights these changing hierarchies, you know, because in, in IT and technology, we're so used to working where your team or your community is your, are your coworkers or the people who are you're working on software with together. But now we're in this, you know, changing world where open source is starting to become really popular or, or it's being looked at a different way than it was 20 years ago. And so now the, I think this working group is helping build that language for what does, you know, because we've never done this before, right? This is a new way of working together on software projects. So this is a way for us to build language for inter-community contribution models. You know, that's what a governance model is. It's helping us guide what are the ways that we work and collaborate on things together. And I, I think that's a really cool way to think about what this working group is, is trying to help build language for us to bridge. I, I totally agree. It's also similar I think to what the OSI does for licenses, right? So the OSI for licenses has said, this is open source, this isn't open source, this is open source, this is approved. This adheres to the eight principles of open source, which they have listed on their website. And it's really easy to say, okay, well, according to the OSI, these things are here. And then we have a shared language for talking about it. And we even have a shared language for talking about things that they don't 
say is open source, right? Dual licensing is not open source because not everyone can access it. One of the principles is that you don't care about who accesses the code, right? And so any sort of license that has a, like the Hippocratic license, which says you have to use it for good, that's not open source because it doesn't apply to the OSI's principles, even though it's an interesting license from other perspectives. Having that shared language is so useful because then you get to figure out, okay, well, here's a, a standard. Does this conform or does it not conform? If it doesn't conform, why? And then how do we move forward? Well, another way to look at it, which I was thinking, is the uh, NVIE Git flow model. There was like a blog post from NVIE.org that came out like 10 years ago that I've referenced probably hundreds of times at this point of how you use Git to properly structure a large project where you have a master branch, a develop branch, a feature branch, and a hotfix branch. And they all sort of work into each other to the point where now the other day I was at another project where he says, hey, I'm having issues with you know, releases and master and I'm thinking about doing you know, merges onto this and then I'll rebase them and put them on there. And I'm just like, no, dude, just read this blog post and make a develop branch. And then when you need to release, push it to master. And it doesn't matter what you call develop, you can call it staging, which is the thing, something he was calling it earlier. But because we had the shared language around develop according to the NVIE, we're like, oh, okay, cool, staging is the same, right? And so it's a way of conceptualizing abstraction, which as programmers is what we do all day. And so trying to break it down is, I, I think, really, really useful. I want to talk a bit more. There was another group we were going to get to, the transparency group. Can you talk a bit more about that, Justin? Yeah. So this is an effort that's being led by Dwayne O'Brien, who is part of the Indeed Open Source Program Office. So Dwayne took the, one of the other original accountability goals that I talked about earlier. One of those was on a self-written TBD-defined transparency-related goal. So the Transparency Goals Working Group is this really kind of abstract ask of what are goals of transparency? Like, what do we want to define as what is transparent behavior and what is not? So originally, it was focused on refining that accountability goal on number three. And it also runs in parallel with the principles of authentic participation because these are all kind of co-conspiring for this common goal of better open source accountability. And so the focus of the Transparency Goals Working Group after our last call that was last week and our next one, which will be, I think, May 4th or May 6th. But the current focus of the Transparency Goals Working Group is, you know, we're thinking about what is the life of this work going to be? And what is this working group's, you know, success criteria for a successful work done in, in a way? And we've proposed to the working group to focus on publishing documentation of open source policies, processes, and project governance. So really to be helping, again, build common language around all of those things, but also to build a kind of a structure for when we talk about open source policies, what do we mean? And we talk about project governance for open source. What are those things that we talk about in those conversations? So again, like I think it's this really nice parallel where the principles of authentic participation are talking about the way we engage with open source projects. The transparency goals are the ways that we kind of have this communication layer between that, that participation that we're doing and how we rep that as an organization in an authentic way that kind of 
aligns with the communities that we're working in. But it's curious how the term uh, language appears almost everywhere. Eh? I mean, it's really necessary to, to set a language and a vocabulary to express our situation, our problem, and then communicate each other. Because a lot of things are implicit. In particular, from our point of view in this working group, Governance is always there hidden in the in your Git or GitHub issues, pull requests, and so on. But also the principles, also the goals, also the policies, processes. So yeah, I mean we need uh, a common language to communicate each other. That's one of the challenges. You know that just makes me have to give a shout out to I think it's episode 19 of the Sustain podcast with Gunner's interview. He was someone like it was in that interview actually that helped me frame what does participation look like in, in kind of this new kind of way of collaborating. That episode specifically was a really helpful way to help me frame the way I'm going into some of this sustainability work too. That makes me happy. I think a lot of human problems just do boil down to language, though. It's not it's not just open source, right? <laughs> like speaking as a linguist, that's kind of how things are all the time. And it does really help to define what you're talking about and how you're talking about it. I don't know if maybe the challenge is that sometimes open source is more focused on the social relationships. It's not, I mean, the relationship you normally have with your project is maybe it's even more motivational than a job point of view. It's my job, it's my work. I will work on that because my company is telling me. No, it's more motivational. It's something that is there, but how you express it? that you really want to push open source in a free way. I don't know. Maybe that opened the door to uh, some dimensions that have not been explored yet. Well, I think a lot of that's partially the design in UX group, maybe. I mean, I can see that with personas. But also, one of the core motivations is something that's not normally considered part of open source. In the same way, we all eat. And it's really important to eat. And if you don't eat you get angry. And if you get angry, you close issues a lot faster without saying thank you, right? And this is like, this is fact. Like, I don't care who's out there, right? I close more issues before lunch than I do after lunch. And that's like specifically, that's actually been a proven thing in, in like they've done scientific studies of judges. Judges are way more lenient after lunch. If you have an 11 o'clock arraignment, it's a lot harder to get a lenient sentence because Judges are just angry. Like, that's just how people are, right? We, we suck at things. And in the same way, talking about the internal motivations for open source is a bit lower down the stack. It's necessary for, you know, where we are. But there's no, to my knowledge, there hasn't been like a complete study yet of the, the pyramid of like, you know, life yeah, expression, right? Mm-hmm. What's that pyramid called? Maslow's Hierarchy? The Maslow's hierarchy of open source. You have to be at this level to actually end up forking your own project and making it new, right? And if you don't have the, the confidence, then you're still stuck down just being a contributor. And then at some point, you know, you get to go higher and lower down the scale of open source participation. What we're trying to define here is really much broader. It's kind of taking an academic view of like, what is open source in general? And how do we figure out the, the shared commonalities so that we can just talk about them better? So we can move forward. It's something that I got a lot of feedback for from this sustain versus the first sustain. The first sustain was like, what is sustain? What does that even mean? Right. And then this sustain was all like, cool. How do we get down into the weeds? Like, how is this different here and versus there? And that's been a lot of fun seeing that even grow through the working groups. Justin Florida? Yeah. yeah. So I had a question for Javi about what your working group is 
focused on like what you guys are looking at for the next meeting or what kind of topics you're looking to get feedback on for the working group right now? Because I actually haven't had a chance to follow too closely, but I was just really trying to see like, what are, what are you the things that are really being looked at right now in the working group? Well, actually, we are now working on classifying the questions that we collected in the sustain event. And we're trying to classify them according to a set of dimensions of governance, of your governance model. Okay. The thing is that we have like, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 ways or questions that uh, you should face at least to identify specific governance issues, let's call them. And we need to let's say, classify and put some order there because in the end there is too much information and we need to really approach the problem according to a set of sections. And then we say, for instance, you are going to define your governance model. Okay, let's talk about participants. And there, in that section, we will raise some issues and questions. What about being members of your community? How you plan this? Do you visualize it as different membership levels, only one level, etc.? And then this is one section. Let's move to other section, policies. Which kind of policies do you visualize in your project? Do you think that there will be a guy accepting your pull request? Yes, no. This is the very first step. And our first uh, task now is to validate this classification. Okay? We have all these questions and we want to validate according to a set of dimensions. And actually, these dimensions are coming from another initiative that is called Community Rule. That actually, Justin, you, you, I remember that you proposed it to have a look to this project. And actually, we are having a look to this project because they propose to define governance models from governance rules according to four or five dimensions. I say five because actually we are in collaboration now and they are also exploring new dimensions for the governance model. And right, right now, we are validating that classification. All those questions according to these four or five dimensions. So one to give a shout out for was, I heard about community rule, but there was something that was pointed out to me by another sustainer, Mike Nolan. So I just want to give him a shout out because that was something he put on my radar. So I guess the other thing that I was wondering about is like what the working group is planning to do next in like where, where you're thinking this work is going to go or what you would like to see of this work? Like what would be that success criteria that you, if you had to come up with like, this working group has done its job or this working group has met this first accomplishment, what would that be? Well, for me, I would love to reach, to create kind of a report where almost any developer can identify which kind of governance model or rules they have behind their project. And to get that point, I will provide you, as I said, some questions, and this question will guide you towards the identification of that model. The next step is, after classifying all these questions, we need to really identify the models that are behind, as Richard said before, to, to, to name them. I mean, uh, dictatorship is always there, but we also need meritocracy. From community rule, we also have other templates like duocracy, circles, uh, elected boards, etc. So for me, a successful objective would be to have this classification methodology for your project, at least to give you some clues about what is behind your project. I don't know if it sounds good for you and you propose maybe other paths that could also enrich the outcome of the working group. 
I think that would be awesome to have people weigh in on that. And any listener who's interested in governance should totally join that working group and talk about it. It is time to wrap up. So Justin, I want to ask you, where do you want to go with PAP, right? What's next? So I wanted to give a shout out for last fireside chat for the principles is going to be our opportunity to ask ourselves, where do we want this work to go? So there's not any more planned fireside chats, at least that I am planning to host. It doesn't mean that anyone else can't step up and decide to push a question forward and try to organize another discussion group. But for us, we're going to try to figure out what, where do we take these and build a decentralized way of folks who want to help with these to be able to take them and make it be useful. So, you know, that's kind of where we're going with that group. But I I wanted to go meta for a little bit and give this really cool, this thing of social science thinking that's been on my mind a lot lately. And I think it's really true with the working groups. And it's called boundary spanning. And it's kind of this idea of you have these different rings in a way of people who are doing different things. And sometimes those rings will cross over with people who are doing other kind of work. And there's these kinds of relationships and interactions that happen that cause ideas and facilitate participation across different groups that happens through this banning. And it's like, so tying that back into the working groups for me, I think it's like, if any folks want to get involved with this stuff, I think a great way to start is just by listening and seeing what, what is out there already. You know, I, I see this a lot in the, some of the consulting work I do with open source where people are doing similar things in their little isolated pockets. And we always try to encourage them to collaborate and work together with other people on those things. And I think like that's just been a, a little piece of social science that I've really been, really been thinking on a lot, seeing the working groups start to really move forward. Awesome. Thank you so much. For any listeners out there who do want to start listening actively and or actively contributing, I would go to sustainoss.org slash working dash groups. That's the best way to find out how to get involved with each working group. Because through there, we'll link to the discourse or we'll link to an email or Twitter or whatever. That's where you can find out where to go next. So highly suggest everyone do that. If you're interested in the Governance Working Group, get in touch with Javi. If you're interested with PAP, get in touch with Justin. If you're interested in transparency, get in touch with Dwayne. If you're interested in any of the other ones, it should be there. And if it's not, feel free to message me. I'm helping to coordinate these efforts and I'm really happy to direct people along. And that pretty much sums up some of the entry points we wanted to talk about. We want to talk about a couple of the working groups and how they're going and where we're moving from here as an organization with Sustain. We have a couple of minutes left, so I really want to get to Spotlight where we talk about really cool projects that we think are great. Justin Dorfman, what is your spotlight today? The project that I chose is the project I work for, CodeFund, which is open source. We just announced we passed 400 million ethical ads served. It's a real big milestone for us. And yeah, if you want to read more about it, you can go to j.mp slash codefund 400m. M as in Mary, or M as in million, rather. That's it. That is awesome. Super cool. I bet Eric is chuffed. Javi, what do you got? Well, I will, maybe I repeat myself, but I would like to remark that project that I said before called Community Rule. The website is communityrule.info. 
And basically, it's an initiative where they propose, they will give you templates to help you in the definition of governance models. You can start from scratch, or you can even find some templates to start your, the definition of your model for your project. And then you can edit them and so on. And we are actually collaborating with them. So we may also enrich a bit uh, the final templates you will find there. Superb. Thank you so much. Justin Flory. Had to give a shout out for the place where we have defined the governance model, which is open for issues and pull requests. But I had to, had to give that a shout out. But the not biased project I would choose would actually be this really cool initiative in the Fedora project community, which is an open source Linux project. They have this join SIG, and it's this people-focused way of bringing new open source contributors into the community. Instead of having folks self-select and direct themselves to the right place, it's a group of people who volunteer as mentors and kind of help folks navigate the really large ways and different niches of the Fedora community. So I just want to give a really cool shout out to this really inclusive way of building people into your project or including more people in your project community. Nice. Awesome. That's a much better one. Good job. And I'm just going to give a shout out to the NVIE Git Flow model. I've used it for over a decade now. It's fantastic. Check it out. He actually just updated it being like, man, it's been 10 years and people still hit this page all the time. It doesn't work for every project. So, and he mentions that at the top, but it's worked very well for me for large projects. And I absolutely love it. That's it for today. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Please get involved if you would like to. And as my friend RJ says about people who are at his events, this is going to be too long of a story, but he says if you, you don't have to drink, but if you want to, you have to. In the same way, you don't have to participate, but if you want to participate, you have to participate. And that's like the rule for sustenance. So everyone, take care. Bye, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, with enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com sustain.